Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 11. In today's show, we will be talking to author Yannick Silver about his latest book, Evolved Enterprise, and his Maverick 1000 Global Collective of Entrepreneurs and Innovators with participating icons such as Sir Richard Branson, Tony Hawk, Tim Ferriss, and others. Yannick will share some compelling ways that a business owner can expand their mission to increase employee and customer engagement and retention and increase the value of their company and their brand. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Shai. Hey, here we are, end of the year and coming up on a new year. And uh, I love this time of year. I always like to reflect on some of the good things that have happened from the year past and look forward to some goals for next year. And I'm wondering, what do you think? When you look back, Craig, what, what inspired you in this last year? What trends did you see that you thought were interesting? Well, one of them that was fascinating to me is this growth in what I'd call you know, larger-than-life companies, companies that have really expanded in not just products and services, but also in culture. And they're seeing the light of day in the media, and they're being looked at and analyzed. It's sort of their trifecta of products, services, and culture. Yeah, and what's driving a lot of that, I think, in terms of you know culture, is sort of this very real trend that we're seeing, especially amongst millennials, in wanting to do business with companies that serve a greater purpose than just profitability. It, it's interesting you know, to try to decipher, is it because it's a natural part of them being real as part of their DNA, or is it just being socially correct? It's a good question. You know, uh, One thing that is no longer debatable, really, is that cause marketing is very impactful, and it makes a big difference to the bottom line. I'll give you a few statistics from the 2013 Cone Communication Social Impact Study, 89% of U.S. consumers are likely to switch brands to one associated with the cause, given comparable price and quality. Another study, a 2014 Nielsen study, Doing Well by Doing Good, cited that 42% of North American respondents reported that they would pay extra for products and services from companies committed to positive social environmental impact. That's really interesting. I'm just wondering, on the flip side, if a company chooses a controversial social activity, would they lose customers that do not agree with their choice? You know, a lot of small business owners might look at this and say, well, that's fine. You know, if I was worth $45 billion, I might be in the position to give away some money as well. But the reality is, is that entrepreneurs actually have a long history of philanthropy. And because entrepreneurs are people that like to shake things up, and they like to be part of the community. They like to affect change. And so they're able to use their business and sometimes their wealth to really have an impact on the world around them. So it's natural that they do that. And I think that what we're seeing is that entrepreneurs at small and mid-sized businesses can take a page out of the playbook from these larger organizations and recognize that if they can take their natural desire to improve things and to affect the future and align that with something they really believe in that's consistent with the branding of their company, they can really receive the benefit and the consumer loyalty and perhaps even pricing power that a lot of these larger organizations have had. Yeah, there's sort of a why. Why are they doing this? 
And then it's equally important, you know, how are they doing it? And I think there are more and more people are starting to measure how they're doing it and where it's going to is being highly watched and to see if it's consistent with what they're saying versus the actual result. You know, there's more and more competition in the marketplace and there's only so much you can differentiate on your product or service. And people want to find ways to connect with the consumer in a more meaningful fashion. And so identifying with something that's bigger than just your business and something that's bigger than just profitability is an opportunity that businesses have to try to develop a differentiation. And when you look at numbers like this, when you say, look, 89% of U.S. consumers in this one survey likely to switch brands to one associated with a cause given comparable price and quality. And I realize, you know, again, that's one study, uh, but it's a broad study. And let's say that number was only 50%. What if one in two of your customers (laughs) would switch to somebody else that had similar services if they were associated with a cause? That's a compelling business reason to maybe take a look at what you're doing and figure out what makes sense, what works for you. Yeah, the decision to go ahead with a social cause to enhance your company and take it to the next step. You're already good in products. You're already great in services. You're developing your culture. What's the next step? How do we do more? How do we differentiate ourselves in the industry? And how do we become more than just a products and services company? As I look back on last year, one of the things that really impressed me is the recent announcement from Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan to give 99% of Facebook shares to charity. Those shares are now valued at $45 billion, and this would be one of the world's largest philanthropic gifts. And to have that kind of impact then creating a new foundation which is going to be focused on personalized learning, curing disease, connecting people, and building strong communities. So think about that. Here's a perfect example. What is Facebook about at its core? It's about building communities. So here is someone that developed considerable wealth through building this huge community that, which is now ubiquitous when we think of social media. And now he's able to take the wealth of that and channel it into this really meaningful way that, that can have a huge impact on the world. Yeah, it's consistent with his brand. There's that logic there and that natural DNA. Yeah, on a big level. You know, it kind of reminds me of that move that CVS did in 2014. That was a real risk from the standpoint of, are we going to depopulate all cigarettes from our shelves? That's such a change for them. They had to calculate that loss potential. Yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, you know, this was potentially taking a near-term hit of a billion dollars plus. I mean, this was a major choice. And they made that decision based on, they said, look, we're, we're a pharmacy. <laughs> Our purpose is to help people get healthy. And we're selling cigarettes. We need to stop doing that. So the rise of social entrepreneurship, and I think certainly inspired by some of these larger and more successful companies has really inspired a whole new generation of entrepreneurs as well as some established business owners that are saying, hey, I want to participate. I already give to charity quite a bit. I want to support my employees in their beliefs and the things they care about as well as my customers. How do I do that? How do I actually go about doing that in a way that's meaningful and impactful and doesn't feel contrived? And I'm excited to say our guest today is an expert in just exactly this field. Yannick Silver, 
author of Evolved Enterprise and founder of Maverick 1000, a global collective of top entrepreneurs and industry innovators. Yannick is here to discuss the concepts from his latest book and how to truly change the way that business is played. Good morning, Yannick. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Thanks, Shai. I appreciate it. How are you doing? We're doing great today. So I want to jump right in with the idea of the Maverick. Uh, we see this all over your branding, and I want to hear your thoughts on that concept. What is a maverick all about? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so to me, you know, a maverick is someone who blazes their own path, who really just sets their own kind of pathway of where they want to go and what they want to do. And to me, entrepreneurs really embody this. And we have three things that we think about for maverick entrepreneurs. It's about business growth, personal growth. They're about happiness, and they're about impact and making a difference. Yannick, I know in addition to many other things, you're a successful author of many books, and your latest book is called Evolved Enterprise. The Evolved Enterprise is these ideas, this continual philosophy of how do you create a business that starts from, as you just said, that core philosophy that it starts from like, what were you almost designed to do? What were you made for? And that sounds almost maybe a little bit trite and, and a little bit out there, but it, it really is that way. And then wrapped all around it is, is your cause, which is your why, that biggest impact. And like I said, ours has changed the way business is played. And then the outer rings are building up a community, which is a tribe of people that absolutely love what you're doing and building up a, a culture. So internally, a team that's motivated by something bigger than just their paychecks. And then the creation, which is the product or service that has that impact all baked into it. And so I had to learn all these different pieces and components, almost like, you know, one of my friends who's a chef and he loves talking about ingredients and how different ingredients create different foods and different meals. And he's like, you know, what you've done is really just created all these different ingredients and figured out what those look like. So it took a while, it sounds like, to find product market fit. You may have a wonderful why and you may be out to do something that's really meaningful to you. But if it doesn't have a business model that works, you're not going to be able to create that value in a way that's sustainable and the way that you can really transfer that gift onto others. Yeah, absolutely. And having that deep passion is sometimes a double-edged sword. As I said, like you're blinded to the fact that yeah, I didn't follow my own rules. One of my other books is 34 Rules for Maverick Entrepreneurs. And one of the rules, I forgot what number, it says bootstrap uh, because you know a, uh, a lack of money only increases your creativity. And so I had pretty much an open checkbook at that point to say, okay, let's, let's just keep doing this and, and not have kind of breaks in there and not have real evaluation points to say, okay, is this working or not working? Because I knew there was something big there and I just couldn't quite figure it out. And it really forced me to go back and totally retool everything that was going on. And that's not such a bad thing sometimes. Yeah, a fear of poverty can be a huge motivator for sure. <laughs> and I think a lot of bootstrapping entrepreneurs go through that at different times. I was thinking about in your book where you start out talking about that weight of needing to make payroll and right. having to try to figure that out. And I know there is not one of our listeners that has not experienced that terror at some point. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I think, maybe a rite of passage for entrepreneurs is that staying up at night and being like, God, how am I going to make payroll next week? Because you have a team that's counting on you. And it's interesting, like I see my brother going through this. He's in a venture back company and it's a different model, but he's got like a small runway right now. And he's worried about his 30, 40 people that are in his company. It's, it's interesting. Yannick, in your book, you make a prediction that businesses without a core impact will be at a competitive disadvantage in four to seven years or less. Does this apply to all businesses? 
I mean, will people stop doing businesses with a very successful company that solves a real problem just because they don't have a core impact? So let's define core impact or the way that I look at it. You know, there's a couple ways of thinking about it. One is core impact with your own team, right? The culture side, you know, what you're doing. There's a great book out that's, I don't know, maybe 10 plus years now, but it has a lot of research behind it called Firms of Endearment, where they studied companies like Southwest Airlines and Whole Foods, Container Store, a couple other companies. You know, they had a really, really strong culture. So they were incredibly focused on what they're doing for their own team members, and they showed some really interesting results where they looked at the S&P 500 versus these firms of endearment companies that they identified. And, and you know, three years and not a crazy difference, but five years, a little bit of difference. Ten years, a thousand plus percent return on investment difference, which I thought, you know, incredibly compelling. And so that's one way that you can have this core impact is just a relentless focus on your own team and, and internally. But there's another way of also having this core impact, and you're seeing a lot more of these unique companies come together, and these are companies I call Evolved Enterprises, where they're having an impact on how do we change the world through business. To stay in business, we have to be a value provider and and deliver uh, a meaningful value or else we're not going to stay in business. But, But there's a lot of companies now that are figuring out ways of giving back. And we can talk about that in in a moment too, because I I don't think that's correct. But I think having an impact and making a difference in a meaningful way, even outside of what they're doing in their core business. Anna, what type of elements are the biggest strength in businesses along the line of their culture? So that's a great question, Craig. If you would have asked me this a couple of years ago, I've been like, ah, you know, culture is kind of BS. It's very fuzzy. It's very, you know, you can't really put your finger on it. And I've learned from some of the best in the world. I've been incredibly fortunate and grateful to have people that have been around me, like Tony Shea from Zappos and and Rich Tierlink, who's a former CEO of, of Harley Davidson. And they all talked about people and they all talked about culture. And I'm like, all right, so, you know, there's something to it. Let me dig into this a little bit more. And I've also been incredibly influenced by a guy named Cameron Harold, who's a former CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, and a guy named Ari Weinswig from Zingerman's. And they all start with the vision. And the vision is, you know, not your mission statement, but it's a very specific vision of where is your company going and what are you guys doing in could be three years, could be five years. It's a period of time. So, you know, if you've hit it or not hit it, and it's less about focusing on how you're going to get there, but the why and the big idea and to attract the people who are extremely excited by the vision and also repel the people that aren't excited by the vision. And so that's one of the cornerstones that we use as well as this vision So Cameron Harrell calls it a vivid vision, and it's pretty powerful. Tony over at Zappos has a very different organizational structure and culture within their organization. What's your views on that? Are you talking about holacracy? Yeah, what what were your thoughts on holacracy? I love the idea. So giving people the freedom to be as self-motivated as possible. You know, Tony is is definitely a very interesting person who likes experiments and likes to see if he can push the envelope, especially with culture and and what they can do there. I don't know. I mean, I think the jury is kind of still out on what's going to happen there. I think they had a very, very strong culture. And then they introduced something that modified it. And in some ways it made it stronger. In some ways certain people didn't like it. So if that's the direction that they're going to go, it's, I think it's extremely fascinating because it's also about how do we develop the people that we have internally and, and how do we make them their optimal self? So, you know, the evolved enterprise model starts at you 
and at you as the founder and how do we evolve ourselves? And at the same time, we're also thinking about, okay, how do we evolve every single person that's in our organization as well so that they're optimized? So using Maslow's hierarchy, if we're thinking about self-optimization, that we're doing the same thing for not just ourselves, but, but the team members that we have. Where do you see yourself in that spectrum as far as how your company culture works? You know, I think that we're still a work in progress. We're still evolving. The culture part is something that is, I don't think, ever done. It's something that you really want to pay a lot of attention to. I mean, we have a lot of the big pieces. We have the vision. I'm actually sitting here. Uh, we had a 2015 vision, a 2012 vision, and now I'm actually working on our 2020 vision. So that's been a key piece. You know, the the core values, is we call them Maverick DNA. It's interesting because we said discussions about more like he said, she said kind of stuff, more less objective. And now the discussions are more around what our actual core values are and the Maverick DNA. So it becomes more objective based on that and even have pushback from our team talking about, hey, the, the DNA, the core values that we have are really great, but they're great for actually what we do outside facing, what we do for our members, our Maverick members. And maybe they're not absolutely ideal for what we do internally. So, you know, we're still working on that and figuring that out. And I think that they were right. So it's actually back to the drawing board a little bit too on our internal core values. Yannick, as you sit there in your green Speedo reflecting (laughs) (laughs) on your 2015 vision, could you give us a tiny little peek and tell us what is one thing that you're really proud of that you did achieve and perhaps one thing that you missed the mark on? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have to. I'll put an asterisk next to the uh, green speedo. So I have to. We'll have to share that story if we have time because it's it good context into into something else. But where I think that we did achieve, I'm really excited by the big vision, which are these interconnected companies that are in three big hubs. That are this transformation hub, which are our peer to peer groups, and we have three main membership groups running right now for entrepreneurs. We have something called Maverick 1000 which is our more of our global group, people that have a global footprint in what they're doing. And then we have uh, local chapters that we just started. And then we have uh, something called Maverick Next, which are for young entrepreneurs, 25 and under. And so that's been part of one hub. We have an educational hub where kind of trying to extract the best information and wisdom from our members and, and other people that are part of our network into this educational piece. And then we have this ideation hub, which are kind of like, how do you bring together entrepreneurs that have ideas already and have distribution, have network, and put them together with young entrepreneurs who are trained in the educational side. So I see movement on each of these places, which I'm really proud of and excited by. We've been able to raise over $2.5 million in in just charitable contributions, which doesn't even count kind of one-degree ripple effect from our members. So that's been really exciting to see that. Where I think we've missed a mark, I see where we are, and we're not quite there yet. Like We're not at what I thought we'd be at 2015. And I think we'll get there by maybe 2017, 2018, maybe even 2020, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's on the way. It's like the train is rolling down the tracks. It's just that I thought we might be further along, especially on that idea side, that idea incubator side. But regardless, like all those pieces are in place. So that's been exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about the right clients you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. We're always interested in entrepreneurs who are leading their field, leading their industry in some way, who have big plans and big ambitions for the future, but don't take themselves too seriously. So it's that unique combination of really being exceptional 
in what they've already accomplished, know that they have something more, know that they want to make a difference in some way through business, through their entrepreneurial thinking, and like to have a lot of fun in the process. And, and kind of the way that I've told people before is if you got stuck with somebody in, in an elevator for two or three hours, you wouldn't want to blow your brains out with that person. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I could see that on an interview scorecard as you're evaluating candidates. Um, yeah. The, the elevator litmus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I started Maverick and, and when we transitioned into the society of Maverick 1000, which are these 1000 kind of game changing entrepreneurs who come together, it's kind of this global collective. I really made it a point that it's not about just writing a check. You know, our accountant might not be that excited by it. I, I look at it as, as a true family that we built. And it really has come to bear in that aspect because we do a net promoter score. And last year we were a plus. I think plus 92, which is, you know, ridiculously off the charts. And there's a lot of things that we do of, of building a tribe and creating a community. For our listeners that aren't familiar with Net Promoter Score, you know, you're looking at how likely is someone to recommend your business or your activities, your organization. So a score that high, is this internal or is that your external measure? Well, external from members giving us the score of they would recommend to other people. Yeah, that's fantastic to score at a nine plus on that. So if anybody has any interest in that, you can Google net promoter score and you'll come up with a lot of information on how businesses really apply that as a very important measure. Yannick, I have to ask you, you know, we touched on the green speedos. There's some other unusual practices of the Mavericks that I think also may include a mustache from time to time. Maybe you could share some of those ideas with our listeners. Both fall under artifacts. And that's one of the ways that you start building a community and tribe of people that have that really tight bonded and have a deep identity. And, And so the story behind the speedos kind of organically happened where we used to put on an event called the Underground which was bringing in all these people that were making tremendous amounts of money online but weren't selling how to make money online type information, and they're just kind of doing it. And I would get them to share what they were talking about and and how they were making their living online. And so one woman who had a a swim shop, an e-commerce swim shop, actually gave me a Speedo one year with my initials embroidered on the front and then the word Maverick on, on the butt. And I'm like, thank you, I think. I'm not sure what to do with this, but I, I graciously accepted it. And and then the next week, we actually had a trip going on where we were doing a 200-mile-an-hour kind of race day. We rented out a whole airstrip and had all these exotic cars and trying to hit 200 miles an hour. And so I thought it would be pretty funny if I wore this Speedo underneath my race suit. <laughs> and it's, it, w- it would have been funnier if you wore it on the outside. Yeah. Well, it was extremely uncomfortable. I'm sure. And, you know, the whole day you're kind of working up to this, and then you get three passes to hit the 200-mile-an-hour mark. So I hit like 197, 198, and I literally took off my racing suit, got you know just my Speedos on, and that was it, and my racing helmet and my racing shoes, and I jumped back into the car. And I'm like, all right, I have to get more aerodynamic. And I'm <laughs> just dying, right? So it's just this ridiculous picture. And I hit 200 miles an hour on that one. So that's how sort of this Speedo legend was was born. And so it's become this funny, interesting little artifact that we bring out every so often. And, and there's a lifetime award that is presented, and the Speedo shows up in, in different places with different members. And then the green mustaches are something that will, you know, if we go out somewhere and there's a pretty good group of us, we might put on the green mustaches. And that's actually something that 
gets a lot of attention. It's pretty funny for, you know, a dollar, two dollar kind of item that these little green mustaches get a ton of attention. If you remember the the yellow Livestrong bracelets, like that's an artifact. And anything that kind of gets people to talk to you and, and talk about what's going on is one way that builds cohesiveness between a group. And there's, a, I think, I don't know, 10 or nine other what I call these community decoders, these ways of really building tribes that are super tight. A lot of traditions like that in the military as well. Totally, yeah. I mean, I think that you can learn from every type of organization. And one of my favorite books is Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by a guy named Robert Cialdini, a professor out of uh, ASU. And, and he talks about like the harder a group is to get into, the, the more cohesion there is actually among them, that, which is why hazing is, is still done with fraternities and, and then groups like you know Navy SEALs or Green Berets and so forth. Like, that's why they're so tight. The law of scarcity applied to human psychosis. Yeah, yeah, in a way. So I want to ask you about, you know, you talked about in the book several types of evolved enterprise models, such as the now famous BOGO model popularized by Tom Shoes, Warby Parker, and others. And I'm curious, you know, what advice would you have for a business owner who is exposed to your ideas for the first time and gets very inspired and they're trying to find a place to start. Do you think there are certain types of businesses that may be more aligned for success in implementing specific models over others? Not necessarily. I think it comes back to really thinking about, you know, who are you serving and what's their ultimate need? So you can think about your cause and, and where your impact is going to be from two distinct places. It can be either you as a founder, like what's your story and what do you care about? So I worked with some entrepreneurs where we I've consulted with them and, and really elicited out their core story and why they're doing what they're doing. And, and one example is a guy named Anthony Balduzzi who created something called the Fit Father Project when we worked together because his father died, I might get the age wrong, but it's something like when he was eight years old of, of brain cancer. And he vowed that he was never going to let that happen again to any other kids. And so that's why he wanted to provide fitness information for fathers and he's a young, I don't know, 20-some-year-old guy, you know, obviously in, in great shape. And so we worked together, and the cause that we worked on was an actual camp that sent kids, if their families are going through any sort of, like, cancer or, health, or major health issues, it sends them to camp. And so it was a really nice, perfect tie-in to his story. And it doesn't have too much to do with his end user, his end customers, which are the fathers, but there is there's an emotional tie-in, I guess. So it fit really nicely. And then the other way is your own customers themselves or what your actual product or service is. And so you mentioned, you know, the Tom shoes, the buy one, give one, their actual shoe itself becomes the, the way that they're making an impact, which is by giving, giving a pair of shoes away. Now, you know, I, I've had a chance to interview Blake and he'd be the first to tell you that he never expected to have this much success with what they're doing. I mean, they're a 300 plus million dollar company. And to try and give away that many shoes becomes a logistical nightmare, actually. So I think they probably would have done things maybe a little bit differently if they're starting over again. Maybe maybe not. I mean, they've had tremendous success, obviously. But I, I think it also comes down to, okay, how do we do something that makes a big difference? And I talk about going from transactional to transformational to even transcending what, what business can be. Uh, what are models where people have actually reached that stage where they're really transcending what business is all about? So, yeah, that, that's where it's the most exciting for me. And so there's a company that I, I feature in the book called Ultra Testing, and it uses the model that, that I call empowered employment. 
and they have a QA shop. They do cross-browser platform testing. They'll do quality control, quality assurance type stuff. And what they've done is they've hired people on the autism spectrum scale because most times people that have autism will be okay with repetitive tasks. They have more attention to detail. They'll just be willing to do tasks that most other people might find boring or, or whatever the case is. So it's become an actual competitive advantage for them to have them as, as staff members and employees. And to me, that's really exciting because the employment prospects for someone with autism are usually pretty low or very underpaid. And so this is a way that it's not simply a kind of guilt-driven way of making a difference. It's not just a surface-level Band-Aid, but it's really something that works for everybody. So that's where it gets really exciting. That, to me, is, is that transcending level. Yannick, as we look to 2016, what would you look at best advice or best practices going forward? Yeah, so a couple things I'd be thinking about. One is, you know, really great time to figure out what, what is your vision for where you're going. And most times entrepreneurs have the vision in their heads, but they're not able to get it down on paper or in a way that the rest of their team can really see it. And this has been one of the key core documents that we use. We use it with partners. We use it with potential employees and team members. We use it with potential customers. I mean, it's really everything. Like I said before, it attracts the people that you want and it repels the people you don't want. So spending some time getting clear and and thinking about that for 2016 and beyond, I think is incredibly powerful and, and really great work that you can work on. Number two would be how are you making an impact and thinking about you know, these volatile enterprise concepts, like that idea of in four to seven years, you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. And all you can say, okay, we're going to maybe add one of our product lines and, and we'll do a percentage to a cause that we care about. Or better yet, like how do we involve our entire team into it? And how do we get our team thinking about something bigger than, than just themselves or our customers thinking about that? And number three is making sure that there's time for yourself you know, business can become this all-encompassing, all-in thing. And we know that work expands to the amount of time that we allot to it. And I think that it's incredibly important to schedule recreation, rejuvenation, ways to, to reinvent yourself and really take time for yourself. Because if you don't really nourish yourself, then you're not going to have the energy or the wherewithal to nourish the rest of your team and everything else going on. And, and it can be as simple as, you know, I have some daily habits that I do that involve even yoga or meditation, but that's not necessarily right for everybody. But one of my absolute core principles that I love using and and I think is great for everybody is is journaling. And that's one of the kind of my secret weapons. And even if you do it for about 10 minutes a day, it's so powerful. And then, but also some of the bigger stuff, like just making time on your calendar for stuff that you've always wanted to do. Like two days ago, we surprised the kids and took them down to Orlando to Harry Potter World and Universal Studios. Like that was, that was a really powerful experience. And unless you schedule things like that, they don't happen. Yeah, that's such great advice. And certainly everyone out there has experienced a different state of overwhelm. And sometimes we forget that we are actually the cause of our own, our own experience. Yannick, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? 
We have so much great feedback from the, the new book. I'm, I'm so excited by it. it. You know, It's something that I put my full heart into, and it's called Evolved Enterprise, as you mentioned before. How to rethink, reimagine, and reinvent your business to deliver meaningful impact and even greater profits. And it's all these ideas and even more about how do we put out our most meaningful work in business and how do we actually get rewarded for it. And it's really exciting. And it's at evolvedenterprise.com where we're giving away 10,000 copies of the book at cost. And I look at them as seeds that we can use to to spread the word and plant these ideas into the heads of entrepreneurs that really are the difference makers in our world. Well, that sounds fantastic. We will have links to that book in the show notes on businessownersradio.com. Our guest today has been Yannick Silver, author of Evolved Enterprise and founder of Maverick 1000, a global collective of top entrepreneurs and industry innovators. You can learn more about Yannick and download a copy of his book, Evolved Enterprise, in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business. Business.